0: Hello, my friends. Welcome. We're uh, so grateful that you're all there, watching online around the country, around the world, around the county. We're so glad that you're here. Let's just start right off by doing what Satan hates, and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I cry out I cry out forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness. We ask that you would heal our land. Father, I pray for those who are of all colors in all stripes because only the blood of Jesus can truly bring healing and forgiveness. So we confess the evil that's in all of us, pray for healing, pray for restoration. You said if we would cry out to you that you would heal our land. And God, there's so many verses that, that I never thought I would truly need on this level. Maybe more now than ever, the people of God need to cry out to you Have mercy on us. Have mercy on our land. Father, we pray that you would bring healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, Please continue to pray for our city, our county, our country, and do everything in your power to foster that relationship of love and healing. And obviously, everyone be smart. Uh, Same thing with Everything we're dealing with right now, that's all we can really say is for you to trust the Lord. Be smart about your own health. Be smart about the situation. Remember that above everything else that we are Christ followers. And that is, uh, that's tough, but that, cro- that covers everything else. And it trumps everything else. There's nothing that compares to that because this world is not our home. So I don't know where you're at on any issues, and I really don't care. I do know this. Jesus in John 17 prayed for unity of the church. And that's what we've got to focus on, praying for the body of Christ. And it's up to us. to who's, Who else is going to pray for our world? So, church, there's the challenge is to pray and to continue to trust God. And it's a, it's a struggle. But we've got to be faithful to what God has called us to do. Now, you know how it's tough. You know, if, if you're my age at least, but I, it happened a long time ago. When you're writing something down or maybe you're typing and, um, the word just doesn't look right. You've written the word a million times, but it doesn't look right. Now, yeah, you get help on the computer with spell check and, but when you're actually writing a letter or something, you're like, mm, it doesn't look right. And you used to look it up in the dictionary. Nobody knows what that is anymore. But uh, anyway, I found myself the other day working on a project and realized not only did I not know how to spell the words, but I had forgotten the alphabet. So I had to go back and start like pre-kindergarten. So uh, here's my cue uh, sheet that I'm using. And so I'm working my way through the alphabet. I'm relearning all over again. And I got up to X and I got stumped. And I don't know why. I'd like to thank you all for coming. If you need to go now, I, I understand. Listen, I don't know why a lot of things are happening right now. We, we have some reasons. There's pain, there's suffering, there's hurt, uh, there's people grieving. Um, there's so much pain out there in our world. And I think what we're experiencing right now across everything is people that are just so full of pain and bitterness and anger that it's going to come out. And we have got to be the ones who hold up the lifeline. And listen, if you're not saved, if you don't have Jesus, I'm telling you right now, if you need to crawl under the curtain, climb over it, come around the side, but you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you can't tell you're running out of time, I promise you, all right, trust me, I don't have any inside information, but I promise you that you're running out of time. We're all running out of time. And it's the hope of Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross that brings hope for all of us, regardless, regardless of your past, your language, regardless of your, your skin color, it is the blood of Jesus that brings forgiveness and healing. That's it. That's the only thing. So we're going to look today at a story in 2 Kings 3 in our series about the prophets. It's the story of Elisha and there's, there's well, there's four kings involved But there's an alliance between the king of Israel, northern Israel today, the king of Judah, southern Israel, the northern king of Jordan, which is Edom, and the enemy is the king of Moab, which is in southern Jordan. And the king of southern Jordan is about to kill everybody because Israel continues to make alliances with pagan gods, with false gods. And God just let, letting them go. And so they seek advice from their false prophets, which we've been through this over and over again. If you're praying to the wrong God, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ, if you think all gods are the same, well, that's what they thought then. And they were led out into the wilderness. They're sitting out in the middle of the desert and they're about to die because there's no water. There's no water for the people, the soldiers, for the for the for uh, the animals. Everybody is about to die. So somebody says, well, why don't we call for Elisha? Well, they didn't want Elisha. They wanted their false prophets. So finally, Elisha agrees to come. Now, this is hilarious. The first verse we're going to read, Elisha said, I just want you to know, I don't care for you guys at all. The only reason I'm here is because of Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah. He's the only one in the group that's been faithful to the living God. But he said, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't even look at you guys. Now that's, again, we have this image of what a prophet might be like. He said, if it weren't for this one faithful guy, I wouldn't even bother to look at you. Okay. So anyway, the war is about to go on, but there can be no war because they're all going to die out in the desert. We pick up the story, verse 14. Here we go. So Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve... If I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord said. I will fill this valley with pools of water. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet the valley will be filled with water in the middle of the desert. And you, your cattle, and other animals will drink of it. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every field with stones the next morning. About the time for the offering of the sacrifice, there it was. Water flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. Now all the Moabites had heard the kings had come to fight against them. So every man, young and old, who could bear arms, was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. To the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. That's what they said these kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to plunder Moab. And they end up going in and destroying everything in southern Jordan. You can read read the rest of the story for yourself. But what we want to talk about tonight is the power of God. And listen, power equipment is great. I mean, we've got, we've got, everything is power now. We don't even think about hardly anything that's not powered. It's like, how do I actually run a broom? I don't know how to run a broom unless you can plug it in, right? We've got the, we've got the new, in my house, we've got the new, uh, what's it called? Zumba, Rumba, Roomba, whatever it is, runs around vacuums. You know, it's really cool, but here's the deal. Unless you plug them in, they're just a the doorstop. Whatever it is, electric vacuum cleaner and electric dishwasher. If you don't plug it into the power You have nothing. And there are so many Christ followers that are not plugged into the power. You're not into the Word. You're not into Scripture. You're not trusting God. You're not praying. And listen, I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. The only way... To connect to the power of God is for you. You have to accept Jesus as your Savior. You have to repent of your sins. You have to be baptized. You have to decide to be in the Word of God. Nobody can do that for you. You have to power in. And remember, if you're not plugged into the power, you're just a paperweight. You're a doorstop. And that's where so many Christians are. Not saying that you don't believe, but so many Christians have not plugged into the power. And so they find themselves really, well, of very little value in the kingdom, but also mostly scared to death about dying and about life itself rather than saying, you know what, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to go out and serve. Now, the first first part of this is the power of worship. Don't miss this. Elisha said, I don't even want to be here. I don't even want to talk to you guys. But since I'm here, because of one good king... I am going to tell you what God's going to do. Bring me a harpist. Why a harpist? Well, in Psalms, David said, God inhabits the praise of his people, the power of worship. God lives inside the praise of his people. Now listen, it does not say God lives in you watching worship. He lives in worship. When you sing, when when you pray, when I sing, when I pray, when I give, when I serve, God lives inside of the worship of His people. But you can't just watch it, and that's really the downside of of being there at, at home or wherever you find yourself right now. Is that you've got to you've got to sing. You know what? There's song at the end of this that you can rewind it, start over, but. Somehow you have got to actually worship. The power is when we worship. So the harpist starts playing, and that's when God speaks to Elisha, and he gets a vision about how God is going to deliver His people. All right. This is this is powerful. Do it, give me a, what do we got? We got a scripture. We got a. Oh, I know what we've got. Let's show them what a liar looks like. All right. This is a picture. Uh, it's 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 more of a. It looks more like a an acoustic guitar maybe, than it does uh, what you would think of as a harp. It has some of the qualities of both. And this is a joke that I usually save till I have you in Israel and we're in the city of David, the ancient city, 3,000 years old, we'll take you to that exact spot where David's palace was, where the temple was, we'll take you to all of that. But there's a huge statue sitting outside the city of david with this and i usually go up to this and i and i start the lecture like this all right so pay attention i go up and i say you're a liar all right that's it that's what i got Uh, so if you have to explain that to somebody beside you god inhabits the praise of his people check out these words from chronicles it says, sing to the Lord, all the earth. Doesn't say listen to singing, watch singing. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. And it goes, goes on for several verses there. But God lives in the praise of his people. Secondly, God's power is seen through digging ditches. And I am absolutely amazed at how many people think they're above digging ditches and especially in the kingdom of God. Well, I have this position. I have this title. Listen, if you're too good to pack rice for somebody, if you're too good to make a peanut butter sandwich, if you're too good to not go out and visit your neighbor, then you're of no value whatsoever. Because the power of God works when people are truly servants. I don't care who you are, what position you have, what title you have, how long you've been a Christian. That's not what we were made for. Jesus said in Mark 10, I came to be a servant of all. I came to seek and serve those who are lost. The power of digging ditches. Well, what happens in this story? Well, Elisha says, here's how we're going to do it, guys. You're going to go out and dig ditches. Now, Okay, wait a minute. We're in the desert. There is no water. It's hot. They're sunburnt, They're already dying of thirst. Their systems are shutting down. And Elisha said, if you go dig ditches, God will fill those ditches by tomorrow. You'll never see any rain. You'll never see any wind. But God will fill the ditches. Do you have enough faith? Now, God may not need those ditches anymore. But what is God asking you to do? When you read his word, what is he asking you to do and say, you know what? Are you willing to serve me or are you too good for that? See, if they, had been, if they were too good to dig ditches, they would have never experienced the miracle. Not, you know, people always challenge the word of God here. Here's, one of, here's a story from this week. This is a doorknob that they found inside a seam of coal. Now, this is the headline. Doorknob found in 300 million year old seam of coal. And then the article said, well, maybe extraterrestrials brought it. Maybe there was a civilization we don't know anything about. Anything except admit that maybe it doesn't take 300 million years to make a seam of coal. Maybe the whole idea of evolution is baloney because I got news for you. It is a doorknob. It is a modern doorknob or semi-modern and it is in a seam of coal. So something is wrong here. this is the world we live in. You're telling me that I'm crazy for trusting the Bible? Explain that one. Go ahead and explain that one. Are you willing to trust God enough to go out and dig ditches? Right. The king, the king of, of England, Charles, here he is. Um, sometimes, again, people just lose their minds. He says, he says, you know what? All of the workers in England, they're furloughed you really should just go out and volunteer to pick all the fruits and vegetables in England. Now, I give my English friends credit. They finally are, are, are fed up with the idea of the, the monarchy. We got tired of that about 300 years ago, if you remember, we Americans. Uh, but they're like, so who's going to pay us? Who's going to feed us? Who's going to protect us? And by the way, King, what about the 700 personal servants that you have helping you Why don't you come out and pick fruits and vegetables? Uh, King Charles went quiet after that, or Prince Charles, excuse me, Prince Charles. He went quiet after that, but you and I serve a God who was willing to come down and dig ditches and build wooden items and stone items. He was willing to build furniture and he was willing to carry a cross for you and me. He was willing to step into humanity and take on the form of man and he was willing to be a servant. And that leads us to the last part. is the power of faith itself. Will they actually trust me? Will they lay it out there? And this is one of my favorite verses. I taught this to all my children as they were growing up uh, because everybody knows John three sixteen: for God so loved the world and, and Jesus wept. People like to go there. So I found another really short one that my kids could use. And it's from Luke 1, that says, nothing is impossible with God. Now, that's a great verse, all right? But here's why it's great, all right? It's spoken by the archangel Gabriel, all right? One of the guys in the inner circle of the presence of God. He's the one that would announce the, the um, conception of Jesus. He's the one that will announce the birth of Jesus. Uh, this, this is a very powerful, influential archangel. It is Gabriel who had sat by God... When God spoke, created space, time, matter, all the animals, the stars. He created all of it. Gabriel saw God the Father do that. And Gabriel said, nothing is impossible with God. So they dug the ditches. God did fill the water. You, read, you saw the rest of the story. Uh, the people of Moab freak out because they think there's blood everywhere. And they end up getting slaughtered. But do you have enough faith to trust God, trust His Word, and to dig the ditches? Let me hit you with one more. All right, back in Genesis 22, I want you to just so you can do your homework. This is Genesis 22:17. God says to Abraham. I will surely bless you. All right, this is uh, almost 4,000 years ago. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. I will make you and your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand in the sea. That's pretty cool, right? Do you know until up until the 1600s, The only thing that as man looked up into the heavens, they could see hundreds of stars. That's all all that was available. 1600s telescope comes about. Now we start to see thousands, tens of thousands. At this point, they have found 343 sextillion stars. It's a number unfathomable. All right, 343, and then just start lining zeros up behind it. It's unfathomable. A non-believing scientist came out recently. This, again, until 1989, we didn't really start opening up the heavens. And he came out and said, We now can confirm that there are as many stars in the heavens as there are grains of sand on every seashore on earth. And in Psalm 147, God said, And I call every star by name talk about God's word being true. You think I'm crazy. Listen, I might be crazy, but I'm telling you the word of God is true. And so I'm reading an article this week about Rob O'Neill, the guy that killed Osama bin Laden. Here they are side by side. And Rob O'Neill said, I did meet Osama bin Laden. I met him for just a second. Let me tell you something. When you and I die, or when Jesus comes and takes the church away, you're going to meet Jesus one of two ways. You're going to meet him for a second. And those of you that didn't want anything to do with God, you'll get your wish. You'll be eternally cut off and eternally condemned. You'll get to see him for a second, and that's all. Or by accepting Jesus and accepting forgiveness for your sins you and I will get to spend eternity in the presence of God. Can I trust the word of God? Yes, you can. Can I trust Jesus? Yes, you can. Did Jesus raise from the dead? Yes, he did. The question is, will you and I plug into the power? Will we read the book or will we just keep listening to what all the noise around us says? When you plug into the power, you stop being a doorstop and you start being the person that God created you to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the power that's ours. And we're not talking about power to buy us a new car or to buy us a bigger house. We're talking about the power of faith to trust you more, to be willing to give more, to be willing to serve more. We're praying for the power of forgiveness and the power of healing individually for a city, for a nation, for a country to be healed of 400 years of sin that we've battled with. And God, the only reason we've stood is because of your grace. So once again, we ask for that forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen.